Well, good morning, church. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 8b, it says, God is love. Just three short words written, but one of the greatest and most profound statements ever made. God is love. Not, not that, that God loves, uh, not that God can love, that, not that God can be loved, that God is love. It is actually God's self-disclosure. It is what God is telling us about himself. And it is inexhaustible in its meaning and in its scope. If I said to you to define what does it mean that God is love, we would not be able to really look at the full circumference of that and understand it. That statement has been studied. It has been meditated on and even scrutinized throughout time. Thousands of sermons have been preached on that very statement. Thousands of volumes have been written about it. The world's greatest thinkers have pondered this very thought. But the breadth of it, the, the whiff of it, the, the depth of it, the height of it, of this truth, every time you open it up, there will be a new treasure that could be yielded from that very subject. Men and angels will ponder this statement throughout eternity, and they'll never exhaust it. God is love. is is actually the keynote of the whole Bible. From, from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, for all time, this very statement will prove to be the greatest truth, and it will prove to be our greatest truth. Today we're going to look at the scriptures that surround that very verse. We're going to find ourselves in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start reading from verse 7. I'd ask the church to stand for the reading of God's word. I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. It reads this way. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Thank you, Lord. As we hear that, we just celebrate you, and all we can say is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
that you are love, that you are a God of love, that you have demonstrated your love in such a powerful way. Lord, as we approach this holiday season and all that it brings about with family and and all the other things, let us continually remember the anthem of the Bible, God is love. In the way you put it on full display. Allow us, as we consider what that means for us, for us to be full, Lord. For us to leave this place different than we came in just because we've pondered this fact that God is love, that God has shown us love. The evidence of him showing us love is us being in this very place right now, listening to that powerful statement. So would you do what only you can do? In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the text tells us, beloved, let us love one another for Love is from God, and whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. Being born of God, meaning that you are a child of God. And and as even a creature of God, even as being a person, you were made to love. You were made to love, and actually you were made to love God. But due to sin, our affections have turned. And and we love everything but at times. And and we love God and other things and have played the harlot to be truthful. And and if we think about that, if, if you're cheating on God, if, if your affections are turned in other directions, are you really loving him? If other things have captured our affection, if other things have captured our attention and your time, are you really loving God? See, because we were made to love, you will always love something. You'll love something. The question is, what do you really love? And and, and the struggle for all of us is one of the things that we can say that we really love is self. I love me. We we all do. And and we love self more than we love God. And, And that's where... Uh, the struggle comes in. But because we are born of God and have the Spirit of God, He is teaching us how to love. He is giving us the capacity to love properly for our affections to be in the right place. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love title of this sermon is Because He Loves Me. He loves because He is love, and because He is love, 
He is the only one who can define love. Hear that. God is love. So he's the only one who can define love. Many have given their, their thoughts on the statement, God is love, on countless sermons, great philosophers and teachers, but we must go to the Bible for the interpretation of this truth. What, what does it mean that God is love? Well, in the next verse, he says, in this, the love of God was made manifest. Among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's because he loves me. That's because he loves you. This is how God's love is revealed. Jesus' coming was a response to man's condition. Jesus' coming was a, spawn, a response to man's condition, and it revealed that what God's perfect love looked like. Well, what is man's condition? Man's condition is desperate. That's man's condition. And that's why God's response through love was to address man's condition. The Bible tells us in, in Genesis that chapter 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We, we uh, just took a little uh, walk down the thought of what it is to, for something to be evil or what it is for something to be demonic, and, and we stated that it is not uh, these overt uh, activities that you see that you would call evil. It is anything actually against the will of God. It is that whole thought of loving self over anything else that is evil. And it's always going to lead for the intentions and thoughts of the heart to go in the wrong direction. And this is continual. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to, it grieved him to his heart. That, that's personal. That's personal that, that God would be grieved because of the condition of mankind. That is a result of love. You, you care about the condition of those that you love. If anyone has a child, if, if anyone has had a pet, a, a display that you love that child or that pet is concerned for their condition. 
And, and, and when that condition is viewed where it is problematic, where there's something wrong here, love is going to show that concern. What can I do about this situation? So when man's heart was wicked continually, God's response was grieved his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man from which whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animal and creeping things and birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But God is gracious. And the text continues, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It went on to say that, that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. But don't miss this part. It says, Noah walked with God. So, so, so righteousness ties into the walking with God. It ties into having that intimacy. So Noah's righteousness was not uh, from something that he just did on his own. It had to do with that relationship. So there was a condition here. What was man's condition? It was, it was desperate. Man is unable to break the grips of sin in need of a rescue. His condition is desperate. The spiral is downward. And it's not some men. It's not the worst of men. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when God is viewing this, it's everybody. Bible tells us that the wicked are estranged from the womb. No, 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 you don't learn how to sin. You're born as a sinner. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth speaking lies. The Bible tells us that none is righteous, no, not one no one understands. No one seeks for God. You do not just naturally say, I need God. As we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Oh, you can have a workman's mentality. I'll satisfy God by being good. The problem with that, your determination of what's good is conjured up in your own mind. Because he's already said there's not one that's good. The reason for that is for the mind that sets, is set on the flesh is hostile to God. 
that that's where our starting point is. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You try as hard as you want. You can't. And we keep fooling ourselves thinking that we can, but the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things. Yes, that thing inside of you, where your motivations come from, it is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? The text goes on to say that it is only God that sees and knows what is going on in the heart. Oh, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. See, there's influences that also drag you from the outside that's prompting the things that are already in the inside to drag you in this direction. The spirit now that is at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Thank God we're in this place celebrating the goodness of God because it's all about what he has done that we would even have the desire to be here. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. We all have the same conditions because the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly. They're a joke. It is funny. It is foolishness. When they hear these things, it's foolishness to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The thing is, is it's, it's not a joke. It's not funny. And it's not foolishness. And it's not folly. It's a terminal illness. It affects lasts throughout eternity. Its effects last throughout eternity. You never get better. There is but one cure. The antidote to sin. The precious blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the next statement is, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man left to himself self-destructs. He's an enemy of God. That's the bad news. Jesus came to rescue. That's the good news. That's the gospel. The love of God. Because he loves me. Nothing that we deserved. 
God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Here, God has made a supreme disclosure of himself. God is love. And then he says, and this is what love looks like. Love is to be seen and known only by what it does. In other words, talk is cheap. In other words, don't talk about it, be about it. Love cannot be inactive. Love must have at least two parties, a lover and one that is beloved. Love always has an object. And love always displays care. God is love. And love's highest purpose is the well-being of the beloved. God is love, and love's highest purpose is the well-being of the beloved. God's eyes are ever watching. And, and, and that's not in a I got you kind of way. No, in the, in the mind of a child is often like, why is my parent always watching me? Because we love you. So, so, so God's watching eye is him being attentive to you because he loves you because God is love. God's hands are always working. God is involved in his creation. He, he did not put the world in motion, and then turn his back and vanish. God made the world, and God cares for the world. The, the, the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He showed his ultimate care in sending Christ the second person of the Godhead. This is the Christmas story. The birth of Christ. The Son of God. The Son of Man. Headed to the cross. The Bible tells us Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's why we celebrate him 
It continues with, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This was done because he loves me. What is grace but love dealing with sin? What is grace but love dealing with sin? The text goes on to say, in this love, not that in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That is the atoning sacrifice, the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirements for justice against sin, satisfying his wrath. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. Jesus not only died for us, he died in our stead. There is a difference there. God is love. And we celebrate him because he loves me. To be able to say that God loves me is no small matter. I worship and tears flow down my face because the text tells us, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Don't ever forget who you were. You, you know when, when someone gives you something and over a period of time it's kind of like not the thing you're so interested in anymore so it doesn't become a big deal, but the time when you received it, it was like the greatest thing, right? Maybe it's obsolete now or whatever the matter is, but the, the fact that they gave it to you should hold in your heart and mind something that they gave me this because they love me and I received this and, and it's still precious to me. But there are things that it's just like, nah, I just don't need this anymore. You know, like maybe somebody like Uncle Bob still wears sweaters from 1970 and, and then he's sitting there saying like, no, this still looks cool. Okay, maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't. But there are certain things that you receive that you better never forget that you received it. What, what, what God has, has done for us that while we were still sinners, you ain't been saved that long that you don't remember who you were, and you ain't been saved uh, that high that you still don't need to remember that now because we all make mistakes um, daily. 
And, 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 and if you say you don't, you got it twisted. Those are the worst kind, right? Because it's just like, yeah, you know what? I'm almost at the place when I don't even sin anymore, right? Those are the worst violators. And the beautiful thing about this is there's nothing that separates us from the love of God. Bible tells us who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we have been killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is love. The Bible tells us the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I continue my faithfulness to you. It's never going to go away. Love is disclosed by Jesus stepping down from his throne in heaven and entering his creation. Not only entering his creation, entering his creation as one of his creatures. And, and, and the angels rejoiced, not fully knowing what was going to take place, but because of their history with God, they knew it was going to be grand. What is God doing now? But, but they could celebrate because we have history. But we never know what he's doing. But as we watch it just unfold, we know it's going to be good. Oh, my. Jesus' birth through a virgin showed God's love. He came on a rescue mission. Jesus walked through this world demonstrating the love of God until the closing act of him being wrapped in human skin would be the cross. The greatest demonstration of the love of God ever performed. Think about this. God has exhausted the resources of infinite wisdom infinite love and infinite power to provide everlasting life through that baby in a major who went to Calvary's cross in our stead. Such is the love of God. And I'm inadequate to really describe it to you. I'm just telling you, like, my thoughts from reading the Scripture, but he can't even do it any justice. There's so much more. 
to be a sinful man or woman in the face of, of a holy God is bad enough. But, but there's something worse. The more shocking thing, the, the more horrible thing, the more damning thing is to trample on his love and grace, to reject the gift that Christ paid for you. You can come up, worship team. We sang a song, uh, I think it was last week, uh, by Fred Hammond speaking about that he is, he is not just a man, he's God. He is not just a baby, he is king. He is not just the lamb, but the lion of Judah, savior and ruler of all. What, what a statement. But I want you to hear this. Love can't be satisfied without the loved one's presence and fellowship. So all of that said, if you love someone, you know what you desire? To be with them. I want to be with you. Love can't be satisfied without the loved one's presence and fellowship. Jesus came down here so that we can spend eternity up there. But in our time here, he has sent us the Holy Spirit so he would be with us, that we would not be orphans. Love can't be satisfied without the loved one's presence and fellowship. So Jesus says, I'm leaving. But don't you worry, I've gone to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. So as we see nativity scenes and consider that baby in a manger, that that scene is God demonstrating his love. Just think for a moment. God in all his wisdom and all his power, God being love, from eternity past. Sent his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, to enter the creation as a creature and perform this rescue mission. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Curius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph also went up to, from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, 
which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. God is such a detailed God. All of this was prophesied to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the end. Jesus condescended by coming in to his creation, but not in some grand fashion, but in a stable. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Our situation was desperate, and the time came, the perfect time, where God was stepping in on this rescue mission. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Emmanuel, God with us. Because of our condition, because of the violence in the earth, because all the intentions of a man's heart was wicked. And God was grieved in the heart. And he provided the only antidote. that was fitting that it be read at the end of the service because we can read it and just look at it as a nice story and a nice scene that we see as we drive along the road and pass by churches and houses. But it ties back into God is love. Because he loved me, because he loved you, he went to this extent. Sometimes um, you, you see a scene and, and you have a thought, well, what a beautiful scene, a woman with her child and her husband and a newborn baby. But those things that she had to pondering her heart as these things played out with the song that Sister Gloria and Brother Don played. 
There's a event after event that took place. The angels celebrated without knowing the fullness. There was a declaration, a herald, one that announced what was taking place come down from heaven to welcome Jesus and to celebrate the king is here. And what else could they exclaim? But glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. That's what we say every day. That is the cry of our heart. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. He's pleased with his children. Through the ups and downs of our life, he's doing a work in each and every one of us. The light of the world has come and he's called us to be lights in this world where people are walking around in darkness amongst a world that is in darkness and we're called to shine. Imagine that dark sky and it's even fitting that the symbol that was show, shown was a star shining in the darkest of skies. The light always suggests hope and that things are going to change and boy, have they changed. So as we celebrate this season, yes, it started with a baby in a manger, but it started way before that. And that picture of that stagnant moment should remind us that its implications are for eternity. They are for eternity. They are for eternity forever, forever, forever. Would you stand, church? Father, we so thank you we thank you because we were in a desperate situation and you sent your son on a rescue mission and we can proclaim that we are the redeemed of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We didn't deserve it, but God is love and displayed his love by sending his son to save us of our sins. That if we would repent, call on his name and put our trust in him and accept the truth that he has taken our place and he went in our stead to the cross, and paid a ransom for us. And then he didn't leave it there, but gave us his righteousness, placed in us his Holy Spirit as a down payment of what is yet to come. Thank you, Lord. 
Father, we lift up the one that for the first time you've penetrated their heart, Lord. Would you continue to draw them? Would you continue to open their eyes? Would you surround them, Lord, with your love, with people that would disciple and come alongside and love on them? Would you put them in a church where your word and nothing but your word is being preached, oh God? Oh, Lord, we want to celebrate the way the angels celebrated when you came. We want to celebrate your coming, and we want to celebrate your coming back and what you've done in each one of us. So as we end this service, receive our praise, Lord, because you are worthy, and it is due your name that we would lift you on high, Lord. Because you are so good, Lord. Because you love me, God. I would have shouted on the mountaintops. Because you are good, Lord. I want it to be an overflow in my life that others would see the hope in me and ask about my heavenly Father. Uh, as how are you so hopeful in this dim, dark world? Oh, because I have the light of the world. Because I've been called to be a glory reflector. Because I've been called to his child. Because he says I am the beloved, the object of his affection. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord. We lift this time up to you. We ask, Father that we would leave here with this message, celebrating your goodness, Lord, and the love you have for each and every one of us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.